Greetings and welcome to the Remote Real Estate Investor. On this weekend wisdom, we got a fun topic. It's what you can do as a remote real estate investor if you're not ready to buy or not in an acquisition cycle or just getting ready. All the different activities you can do to build the muscles to execute well when it's time to buy. All right, let's do it. All right. So this weekend wisdom is made for people who want to be a remote real estate investor, or perhaps they are in a remote real estate investor, and they are looking for things to do to help level up uh, when they are just not ready to buy, or perhaps they don't have the funds to buy, um, something along those lines. So I've got a couple of ideas, but I think I'm going to make it more fun by just putting Emil on the spot, who looks like he's not necessarily listening. <laughs> All right, Emil, <laughs> what are some things that people who want to invest, but perhaps are not ready to, perhaps it's funds or whatever reason, how can they build muscles to be a good remote real estate investor without actually buying a property? I would say, so I'm kind of going through this myself I'm on a little temporary pause. I am trying to just network with other people who invest where I invest, either through Facebook groups, bigger pockets forums, Rusak Academy, wherever it is, just meeting other people who invest where I invest. Early in my investing career, I had this very scarcity mindset about real estate investing. Like, why would anyone want to share information with other investors? Like, we're all competing against one another. But really, so many investors are so giving and willing to like talk with other investors because there's not many of us out there. So when you find another investor, especially if you're a remote investor, it's like, you know, that's your community. That's a tribe. People love sharing information and just like talking to each other and getting best practices and stuff. So like for me, I've been trying to meet people who are local in St. Louis, talking to different property managers, different agents, just people who are local there who can help me, I don't know, get a better lay of the land, learn the market, find deals when I'm ready to find deals. So at this point, that's what I'm kind of focusing on. Love it. That's such a good one. And I think the logical fallacy that there's only, you know, so many properties out there and I need to box everybody out is just such a logical fallacy. Like there's, yeah. there's literally millions of houses out there and it's a great reason to connect and share. And I mean, I guess there could be situations, right, where you're making, it's a property, you're making an offer on it and somebody who you know is actively buying in that same area, like then it's reasonable to use a little bit of caution on very specific deals. But generally speaking, that's that's a, a fallacy. I think that I had as well getting into it, thinking that, you know, it's a zero sum game. It's, you know, there can truly be a win win. Yep. I think if you're thinking about that and not willing to share information at a high level, like Tom, you said, there are some things that of course you want to keep your cards close to your vest. But at a high level, like if that's what you're thinking, then you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. All right, Michael, uh, things you can do as an investor, perhaps you're not ready to buy right now or you're not in a buying cycle. Yeah, so similar to Emil, I'm kind of a great case study because I'm not in a buy cycle right now. I am gearing up to be in a buy cycle. So right now, uh, my wife and I sat down several weeks ago and are really honing in our finances and our spending and our savings rate, making sure that we are just storing up a bunch of dry powder. Uh, I'm also going through several refinances right now, getting some equity out in the form of cash and just looking to hold on to that for a little bit. One, so I can wrap up this project I've got working on. And two, just so I can have some more dry powder in the keg to deploy when I am ultimately ready to jump back into that buy cycle. So getting lean and mean and uh, getting things in reserve. You hold dry powder in a keg? That's a dangerous man. I said you hold dry powder in a keg? Very dangerous. Isn't that where you're supposed to hold dry? Where do you hold your dry powder? On the floor? I don't know. Oh, then there's powder everywhere. In a savings account? In a shelf, yes. <laughs> I'm talking about, yeah, dry powder in a pirate uh, sense of the word. Arr. By the way, you know what a pirate's favorite word is? 
Or favorite letter? R. R. No, that'd be the C. <laughs> oh, have you guys heard the Wellerman song remake? Uh-uh. Wellerman? Oh, it just stuck in my head. It's like a pirate song. It was like a TikTok thing. Okay, here's your fun fact for the Week in Wisdom. <laughs> the Wellerman is the person, the ship that would deliver pirates their like goods. Ah. So like there's tea and rum and stuff. And then the Tunger is the person, the whaling ship that had to clean the tongue. Anyways, sorry, that was it. So the Wellerman, search it up on YouTube. Wellerman, you guys will get it. Uh, stuck in your head catchy pirate song that was important i added that i just love just <laughs> continuing down this rabbit hole how you're like oh l- delivering their goods like tea and rum as if that's the only thing that pirates consumed like no they don't need bread or cheese or meat just exclusively tea and rum just listen to the wellerman song and you'll get it okay <laughs> okay i definitely will okay so yeah that has been my and my wife's focus for the last several months here getting this project over the finish line and getting lean and mean to be able to move forward easily some other things just that i think folks can do above and beyond those two things are just start to really learn their market and hone in what their buy box criteria look like so if you are just starting to invest and not feeling like you're ready yet there's a number of different things you can do but first and foremost go get educated whatever that looks like. So whether that's joining the Roofstock Academy or having someone hold your hand along the way who has invested before, getting very specific on your criteria, what you're expecting of your investments, and then learning about the different areas, different markets throughout the country or the world, potentially, that will be able to give you those type of returns or meet those criteria is what you should be spending the most of your time doing because that's time very well spent. Awesome. I'll close this out here. So a couple of points that I'm just going to add on some of the existing stuff on learning the market. Super great. So pick a couple of markets that you think are you're interested in. I wouldn't have too many just because what I'm going to suggest you do is subscribe on. There's a lot of online applications that you can get track like sales as they're coming across, like set boundaries in like similar to your buy box. So like set like the price range. And so you can just see every sold home and every new listing that comes up in that market. That's what we mean by knowing your market is like having a real pulse on what the transactions going on, going in and going out are. So um, a lot of places where you can track that Roofstock is one of them where you can follow properties. On the education stuff, Roofstock is a great spot. There's a lot of good online education. Uh, Roofstock Academy is great. It's it's risk-free. It's, it's a paid program, but it's full money back if you're not happy or satisfied, whatever. So that'll be my one quick plug for Roofstock Academy coaching in 50 hours of online, yada, 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 all that good stuff. On the education side is to get nerdy with a pro forma. So someone that I was working with within the academy, he took the initiative to basically, just like you take apart a car, is to took apart the pro forma for analyzing properties. So this is the calculator in Excel that you use to get IRR, that you use to get cap rate. Um, What he did is he basically deconstructed it and then rebuilt it by himself. And I think that's such a good exercise, intimately knowing like what are the levers on your return. I wouldn't say it's a hard requirement of being able to do that, but I think it's a good use of time, especially if you're not necessarily buying, but you want to build those muscles up is to, to really know that particular model. The other one is to start talking to not just other investors in the market, but start talking to property managers, perhaps get their input on specific neighborhoods. I myself am a little bit of an introvert. So doing that like takes a little bit of effort to do that. But every time that I do it, it's like a muscle. It's you know taking a lift of a bench press uh, in the gym or something. So build those muscles, get a little uncomfortable, talk to property managers, something as simple as, hey, my name is Tom, I'm an investor, and I'm interested in this area. What are your thoughts on this address that I'm evaluating? 
and you can give them a dress or what do you think of this little neighborhood? Um, are there any neighborhoods that you think are particularly opportunistic or that are not opportunistic? So build those muscles, talk to those people, talk to a lender. You don't have to do, you know, find out who, at what point are you going to have enough money to make an acquisition? If that's your holding point, right? Like how much of a down payment do you need? Like getting all that information is going to make it a lot more clear. If you don't have a clear destination, it's hard to, to get there. Yeah, those are my kind of brain word vomit of things that you can do that is going to put you in a good position uh, when it's time to buy. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening and happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing. Happy investing.